This episode of the Officer Down Memorial Podcast is sponsored in part by Law Enforcement Labor Services in Minnesota. Law Enforcement Labor Services, also known as LELS, is Minnesota's largest public safety labor union with over 7,000 Minnesota public safety members serving in all areas of public safety. Law enforcement, 911 dispatch centers, corrections, public safety administrative support personnel, and firefighters. Established in 1977, LELS serves over 260 different public safety agencies and over 450 locals across the state of Minnesota. With their administration, general counsel, three staff attorneys, and 14 business agents, LELS provides contract negotiations for better wages and benefits, grievance processing and representation, discipline representation, mediation and arbitration, assistance with representation for post-board hearings, and in-line-of-duty death benefits for survivor families. Find out more about Law Enforcement Labor Services at LELS.org. LELS.org. This is a special edition of the Officer Down Memorial Podcast. Hi everyone, this is Scott. Thanks for joining us. Police Week is coming up and uh, May 15th is National Law Enforcement Memorial Day. So I wanted to take some time to introduce you to COPS, which is the Concerns of Police Survivors. This organization has been around since 1984 and it provides many resources for law enforcement. Now, I always thought of them as the primary national organization for supporting fallen officer survivor families. But I learned in this interview that they really do much, much more than that, including planning for agencies and officer families to help them prepare ahead of time in the event that they lose a hero. Also, Support programs for agencies, for families, wellness programs for agencies, for cops, for dispatchers, for chaplains, or really for everyone involved in law enforcement. I already knew this was an amazing organization to begin with, but this interview really gave me a new appreciation for everything COPS does for law enforcement. So let's get started. I'm here talking with Tony Williams, who is COPS Multimedia Specialist. Now, uh, Tony, let's start with the the history of COPS. Absolutely. So... On just your base level, COPS was started in 1984. Uh, We had about 110 survivors at that point. Now, to give you uh, some perspective on that, we're at about 67,000 survivors today. Holy. Uh, Okay, wait, 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 wait. So in the beginning, it was how many? uh, 110. And fast forward to now, you have 67,000. Yes. Wow. Okay. That's, it's, that's incredible. Growing, growing by the moment. I just having worked at cops for a little while, you know, I would expect us to be somewhere around 70,000 by the end of the year, just at the rate we're going. Um, I, I'm the guy that has to change that number on our website. And so when it changes and that happens a lot these days. So, um, which is both, it's bad first, but good, right? Because it's terrible that these families have to be in this situation at all. And these coworkers have to be in these situations at all. But if, if these survivors have to be, have to lose a family member, have to have a family member die in the line of duty, I'm glad that we're able to be there for them. Oh, absolutely. So when, when you talk about supporting survivor members, what does that include? That includes immediate family? Yeah. So that includes um, a huge list. Um, 
And so we're going to, we're going to sort of shorten it a little bit. So we'll think of the immediate family, your, your spouses, your kids, your siblings, your parents. Um, but also you've got, um, fiancés and significant others. Um, you've got extended family. Um, and so that can be anywhere out to grandparents, grandchildren, certain in-laws, usually their cousins, uncles. We also work with coworkers of the fallen officers who are survivors themselves. Oftentimes they don't like that term. Right. Right. But absolutely there's, there's grief for losing your friend at work. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Six, um, 67,000. So, yes. Wow. Um, and so we have, it's a huge list. Um, but that's, that's the, the really brief version of it. Right. So with the, with those agencies, what kind of support do you provide through cops for them? Yeah. So on a, uh, at a, uh, at the beginning level. So we're actually going to start before a line of duty death happens. Cops starts with, we actually have on our website, a bunch of different documents, financial diaries, things to um, prep officers in case the worst happens to them and their family. But also we have some really good uh, studies and documentation that help departments create standard operating procedures for if you lose an officer in the line of duty, how do you tell a family that their loved one is dead? How do you walk in and have that conversation? Because there are many, many bad ways to have that conversation. So Um, I didn't know you did that with in providing officers and officer families kind of a kind of a roadmap as to to um, to how to be prepared in you know in the event you know that you lose that officer right i did not know that's a service you did yeah because huh. if we can work with the agency to limit extra trauma caused to officers and to families in the process there is so much that you can stop ahead of time, right? So many different family squabbles and extra traumas by just having the right paperwork filled out and and knowing what you're going to do before it happens. That's awesome. I, I had no idea. So so if an agency is listening and they don't have a plan, or, you know, or they don't have any any guidance for their officers on planning on planning with their families, how how can agencies contact you, or who who should they contact? With, is there anybody in particular with cops? So they can reach out to us. There's a couple of different folks. Um, just sending an email to cops at nationalcops.org is one of the best ways to start because the person may change, but we can always direct you to the right person. So when in doubt, just that general email is great. But one of the best ways to start is, is there's sort of two really great places. Um, on our website, we have uh, some digital materials under the for law enforcement tab. And I actually just pulled it up here. The top one is handling line of duty deaths for law enforcement. That's the top PDF. And so the, you know, the third one down is handling line of duty deaths for survivors. So for family. So just at a, at at the, the first step, we've got some PDFs, give them a look over, right? If, If we want some more intense training, we offer, um, there are nine traumas of law enforcement trainings across the country. And one of the days is on line of duty death, handling that. We also talk a little bit about suicide, um, officer trauma and burnout, um, just daily stressors for the job, um, how to lengthen your career by not burning out. And um, I, it used to be on the last day, but it, it may not be on the last day anymore. We also bring in 
a panel of survivors who tell their stories, who, who talk. Um, one of the, the things that they talk about is how were they told by agencies that their loved one died? And I've sat in several of those. Um, they're, they're gut wrenchers at times. Um, I would say all the time. And you'll hear some, some really good stories and you'll hear how it may have been a well-mannered, you know, we tried to take care of the family, but we didn't do it in the best way. And that caused a huge rift between them and the department, which is not what any department wants. I, so, had, I had no idea you did that. I mean, and, and, yeah. and I've, I've been involved with law enforcement memorials with the, the association for several years and worked with survivor families. So, but I guess I didn't know, I didn't know that backside of cops. I didn't know, I, you know, I always think of the survivor families and all the work you do with them, but I, and, and assumed you did work with agencies, but not that, not that pre-planning aspect. That was, I'll have to look at that for our agency. Cause I'm not, I wasn't aware of that before. That's awesome. So with the survivor families, so if we have, uh, if we have families that are listening who are survivor families, whether they're, you know, immediate family or their relatives or whatever, or friends, you know, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. explain to them, you know, some of the events and some of the things that you guys do to support them after their Absolutely. fallen officer's gone. So a lot of what cops do does in physical events is bringing survivors together in whatever form that works for peer support. So for some folks, that's our 13 hands-on programs that we're doing this year. A lot of those are in rural Missouri, but some are up in Milwaukee. We have our, or not Milwaukee, the Milwaukee area. We have our kids camp in Georgia. We have our young adults camp. Um, We'll have two suicide survivor retreats that we're working with survivors of blue suicide on this year in Oklahoma. And these are all events where you get away from your daily stressors, right? You get away from the stress of your job, of your, your basic stressful things. And you just spend time with other survivors. There are, there's, you know, mental health professionals. If, if you need some counseling, if, if you've got something you want to talk through, there are sessions where you get to share your story with other survivors and you'll hear other survivors tell your story. And one of the things that happens is you go, oh, wow, that happened to me too. And something in my story also happened to this person. And the connections are sometimes very, very uncanny. And one thing we hear cops say is that nobody understands your loss like someone who has walked that path before. So we tend to group, say, spouses with spouses, fiancés and significant others with fiancés and significant others. You know, the, the kids all go to kids camp together because a, a, a parent may not understand what a spouse is going through and vice versa. And a sibling may not understand the other groups. But you get a bunch of siblings together and I, I've heard the conversations there's a lot that they go, my family doesn't understand this about what I'm going through, but the rest of you all seem to. You all just get it. I don't have to explain it. I start talking about it. You go, yeah, I'm there. Wow. Wow, that's cool. So, I, so there's a couple, of, uh, a couple of the recent stories that have been done on the podcast were referrals from comps. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to think. The Brandy Winfield story and then the Brian Etheridge story. And, uh, one of those two 
had had mentioned the the connection that kids had made in mm-hmm. your there was a Wisconsin a Wisconsin retreat. Yes, so uh, kids camp is is the one in Wisconsin. Um, it's it, like I said, it's about two hours from Milwaukee. So I said the Milwaukee area just because that's what folks might know. But yeah, I've kids camp is astounding because, like I said, with the other retreats, there is especially with the young ones, there is a moment where they start to realize I'm not the kid whose parent died anymore. I'm just a kid. So they're no longer right in every class they've ever been in every school in every sports team. They're the kid who lost a parent whose parent died out here. That's everybody. Huh? You and it's freeing. You don't think about that, mm-hmm. you know, being outside of that, being outside of that experience, even, 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 even myself having worked with survivor families, I guess I never thought of that aspect of it about, you know, not like you said, not just be, just to, just to be able to be one of the kids. They, they don't yeah. have that opportunity in, uh, you know, in that community. Huh. That's a different aspect of it too. So when you say 13 hands-on, so is it typically every, every month or do you do a certain number every quarter or how does that work? Or does it just so happen to be a number? There, those are just the ones that we offer right now. Okay. So there's technically 14 that we have, um, but our outward bound adventure, we haven't been able to hold that. Um, they still have extremely stringent COVID restrictions that basically say, if you're in an airport, it's not going to happen. And we've got folks from all over the country. So we kind of have to use the airports. And um, because they go out and do heavy wilderness stuff, they can't have any any sort of concern about your medical health, which is why they have those rules. But um, so we actually have 14 of the programs and every few years, like this year, we partnered with survivors of blue suicide to add the two suicide survivor retreats. So we're constantly, as we see needs arise and as we get the ability to do so, because, you know, we're a maybe 30 person staff. I think it's closer to like 28 right now, Um, but we're under 30 people uh, at our national staff doing all of this. At some point, we run out of bandwidth to do everything, but we do as much as we can. And, you know, when things are going well, we can add more. And so we're, we're constantly adding more. I think in the last 10 years, we've added, I think, five, if I'm, because coworkers, I think, was 2014. We've gotten coworkers for couples, spouses for couples, and then two suicide survivor retreats. So, and maybe even young adults camp in that. So it could be six, but... Um, we've added a a bunch in just the last ten years, um, and I I can see the the need for concerns of police survivors is not going away. No, no, not anytime so, soon, unfortunately. Um, so I imagine that number is going to continue to increase. Um, but yeah, we also do two cops walks. Um, those are twenty five mile walks split up over two days. Where do you do that? 25 mile uh, walk. Yeah. So we have one in Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. Okay. Um, And then we have one, it moves around a little bit, but it's right outside of it's, it's normally in the like suburb areas outside of Phoenix. So right. I think this last year was in bullseye, Arizona. And um, those are a, a different atmosphere because you're outside walking, right? For, 
several hours each day right and you're sore and you you know depending on how well you prepped and how your shoes are you got blisters and um but it's an accomplishment and so what happens is as the day goes on folks sort of clump up on this walk right you've got your fast people who are maybe jogging the entire thing if they're absolutely i've I've seen it it's wild um really (laughs) couldn't be me no Uh, me neither (laughs) nope um got you know all the different paces of walking and and folks clump up and they'll walk together in teams and they'll just talk they'll just you know they're almost always walking in honor of their officer all officers or or a combination of specific officers and so folks will ask you know um tell me about tell me about your brother tell me about your coworker. and as you're walking and talking you know you just sort of talk and and folks bond and by the end of the weekend, as folks are crossing that finish line, you can see the, the accomplishment, the effort, the moment, and they're thinking about their officers that crossed the line, right? And just, you see folks just in tears finishing this, and you see other survivors just, you know, cheering them across the finish line, giving them the biggest hugs. You'll see folks... Um, if somebody's almost not making it back, you'll see folks go back and walk another two miles to really? get them to the finish line. Oh, that's awesome. And that's when it's a very physical representation of how survivors and how cops helps folks on everybody's grief journey. Right. Right. Cause everybody's journey is different. Absolutely. You know, um, and it, it, it's interesting. I've never really – so peer support is something that's relatively new in law enforcement, you know, over the last five years, 10 years, 15 years, depending on the agency, depending on the area. And, and, and our agency in southeast Minnesota, it's, uh, it's new within the last five years or so. But when you think of – I mean, this is essentially peer support. It's essentially the same, the same type of support – but your peers are others that that have had that loss and have experienced that loss and that and that trauma and like you said you can't there's no other place you're going to get that mm-hmm. you know that exactly. kind of bonding and that kind of support and to be able to talk openly with somebody and 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 know and trust that they get me they get what I've been through you know right one of my favorite events every year is our young adults camp. I'm a teen at heart, so I I sort of (laughs) that's awesome. Blend in a little bit, and and um, I I like going to that one quite a bit. I I enjoy getting to spend time at every retreat, but I have a soft spot for for our young adults and our kids, like like most people do. And so I've during the week that we have them there, I I talk. We have lunch together, and I talk with just about everybody, and they tell stories about yeah, you know. This person is is my best friend in the whole wide world. And when I'm having a bad day, I can just text them, I'm having a bad day. I don't have to say anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And they know exactly what's going on. That's awesome. And especially, you know, for, for everybody, that's huge. Right. Right. That is great. So I didn't know all those programs were available through cops. I, I just think yeah. it's, it's fantastic. So let's talk about, so your biggest event of the year is police week. Yes. And so let's talk about that. Explain to us, explain to the people who aren't familiar with it, 
if if uh, if you had to paint a picture for them of what police week is and what to expect if you were to attend what are they going to see what 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 happens there absolutely so to start off with a with a, a small primer to make sure that um, I don't lose you in some terms here yeah when I talk about police week I almost never say Monday Tuesday Wednesday the week is always centered around May 15th which is peace officers Memorial Day and that's been set since 1962. So we know that the candlelight vigil is always on the 13th. Whatever day of the week that is, it's always the 13th. We know that our conference is always on the 14th and the 16th. So I'll talk about the number days. The number, okay, I understand. Um, yep. Instead of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, right. Because if I were to try to do that, I'd get all sorts of mixed up because it's different every year. The 15th um, is your big day, right? That's kind of the 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 last big day of that of that event of the three day event right or the not exactly okay so the 15th is i would say one of probably the biggest attended event absolutely we have uh our conference is actually two days sandwiched around so we actually have so for us police week is the 11th through the 17th with 11th being an early arrival day and we get folks into DC. So surviving families will will fly, surviving families and coworkers will fly into DC. They'll be met at their gates at Reagan National Airport with an honor guard. Um, surviving families generally know this, but you can see I've I've been there when the honor guards have met families. And it's it's one thing knowing that you're gonna walk into an honor guard, and it's another thing actually walking into the honor guard. Super um, emotional. Absolutely. Right, right. Um, and then those those officers will take those families, get them loaded on buses where they need to go to whichever hotel they're at, you know, make sure they get sent off in the right direction. And then they'll they'll meet up with another family and bring them in those buses. Uh, I don't know that we're doing this this year, but um, in previous years, those those buses have actually Alexandra PD and Metro PD have shut down entire roads for our buses to get through dc to hotels so how many people are we talking uh, generally so survivors the last number i remember was about nine thousand survivors at police week or at at that are registered through cops depending on the event so your peace officers memorial service will have somewhere around and and it may be bigger this year um, I haven't heard a more recent number, somewhere around 40,000 folks attending. Oh my, I had no idea it was that big. Yeah. Yeah. So to kind of continue on the week, cause I, I find it the, the easiest to do this chronologically. Right. Absolutely. So that early arrival is the 11th folks are still arriving on the 12th, but there's a couple of different law enforcement bike rides that show up in the area on that day. Um, you have law enforcement United which rides in, they'll ride into Haynes Point this year. Um, they donate, they're, they're law enforcement officers and survivors, um, and they donate money to cops. And then there is Police Unity Tour um, that donates all of their proceeds to the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund. And uh, they'll both have arrivals that day. And uh, so there's a little bit of check-in and just basic sort of bookkeeping for the week, planning out. And taking a little bit of time to get settled in because police week is so long and so heavy for a lot of folks. You kind of need a need a moment to gather yourself before you get going. The 13th is the candlelight vigil, which is 
I would say the most visually striking event of police week. So we're out on the national mall. You're on the, I was um, going to say it's on the mall. We'll have pictures online too. So people can look at some of the pictures. Awesome. Of the so how many people, so how many, how many do you usually see at the candlelight visual? If I had to guess, I'd say somewhere around 15, 20,000. See, that is just incredible. But that's just as someone who's, who's looked back into the crowd. That's my guess. It's a massive number of people. And uh, there's a moment where um, everybody gets their candle lit from the front and you can see the sort of mall getting lit up. Moving all the way from front to back. Um, And then at the very end, after reading all of the names, the survivors will all stand up together um, with their candles held in the air. Wow. It's just goosebumps. Absolutely. Wow. And, and of course you'll spend the, the whole evening listening to names of fallen, right? Um, both historical and current year. Um, the NLMF has their, their list of names um, that they use. On the 14th, we'll actually have support sessions, which are focused on peer support. So this will be, you get to sort of like what I mentioned with the hands-on programs earlier, you'll get to sit in a room with folks who are of your same type of loss. And and in many categories, we'll even split it out further. So we'll say siblings of officers who died by COVID-19 or medical issues, or we'll say of felonious losses or of incidental, and we'll break them out even further. So that when you're talking, it's as much the people who are going to get it as possible. And and those are conversations facilitated by mental health professionals. um, So that if somebody is in crisis and does need some help, we've got somebody there, but they're not the focus of it. The focus is getting to maybe for the first time, tell your story. There are several survivors that have, have shared with me that they did not have the ability to say the words until they were sitting in a group of survivors listening to other stories. And then they found finally they could talk about it. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's, you know, they just feel comfortable because you got, because it's a peer, it's somebody who, it's somebody who gets it, somebody who gets you and what you've been through. Um, huh. And so then that leads us into um, on the evening of the 14th, we have our blue on our gala, which is sort of a night to celebrate, to spend time with each other to honor officers, but also celebrate their lives and dance and do that sort of stuff. That is one of the few not free events of the week. So that is one you have to buy a ticket for. Um, But then we lead into the 15th, the Peace Officers Memorial Day. And all of survivors are lined up and then put on buses and taken to the West Front Lawn of the U.S. Capitol. Um, And they're escorted in. Um, and then it's a long day. Um, some days it's a very rainy day. Sometimes it's a very hot day. Um, it's almost never that perfect. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, Right. And you're sitting there for, for four or five hours as every name is read, um, on the FOP's honor roll of heroes and a member of each family gets to place, um, a flower in, I think they'll have two wreaths this year in, in a wreath and those wreaths will then be taken after that ceremony 
to the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Wall placed there, and there'll be buses to that, that event. And then there is an honor guard that stays with those wreaths. I believe it's till midnight. It might be 24 hours, but they stay with them. And then after that, the wreaths will come and reside at the Washington Hilton, which is our host hotel for the final day of our National Police Survivors Conference. And on that day is when we have um, more of the classes. So that's where we talk about things that we know survivors, families, and coworkers are going to face. So how do you, if you are law enforcement administration, what, what sort of challenges are you going through? How do, how do you grieve? Because that's a little bit different than, than how, say, um, a non-administrative officer has to grieve, or a non-administrative officer has to grieve um, just because maybe you have everybody looking at you. How do, you know, how do you deal with trial support? How do you, you know, deal with kids? Um, how do you deal with people who just don't get it and say something that's completely off the wall? Um, you know? We hear stories of survivors who are talking about their loved one dying in the line of duty, and someone responds with, oh, I understand. I lost my dog. That's not the same. And until you're in that scenario or until someone talks to you about it, you never think someone's going to say that because it's not the same. And folks are trying to be helpful in, in relating, but it's not. It's not relating. Is that so? That's day sixteen. Is that is that the day after that's the sixteenth? The sixteenth. Yes. Okay. Um, and we end that evening with the Blue Family Barbecue. It's sort of a kickoff night uh, where, at the end of the week, um, we have you know face painting and balloon animals and barbecue for for everybody and a dance floor and just the kids especially go crazy a little bit. Um, and it's just a fun night for. It's been stressful. Let's just have some fun. Right. Right. And 17th is, is departure day. So 17th, everybody sort of packs up and goes home. Wow. I, I, I had no idea. I did you know, when you think of from the outside looking in, you know, if you're, if you're familiar with police week, um, if, if you've been to some of the state memorials, for example, the memorial we do in, in Minnesota is always on the 15th, um, 14th and 15th. And, uh, we do it at the state Capitol, but yeah. You do so many different things for these survivor families, for these agencies. Um, so many behind the scenes, uh, just addressing issues and concerns and challenges that people just don't think about. You know, that's that's huge. I had no idea. I had no, no idea you did all that. So if you're a law enforcement officer, not necessarily from an agency who's lost one, but just someone who wants to go and and represent and respect and honor the fallen what's your recommendation to them as far as uh, hotel as far as accommodations how do they I, I when you have that many people coming into that community it's got to be tough to to accommodate everybody what's what's your recommendation to them so my recommendation to them is that to start off saying it's probably going to be difficult police week, the hotels tend to sell out very early. You know, we get, we get massive room blocks for our folks. You know, some folks will come in an Airbnb or, you know, they'll, they'll get pretty much anything they can knowing DC a little bit. 
if you're going to the public events, a lot of this stuff, right? The National Mall, the Capitol are around metro lines. So if you're coming in from out of the area, the best way in my mind would be to get a hotel kind of away from everything and use your metro pass and and come in because the metro line comes in right underneath the memorial basically i mean essentially you can walk right up from the metro line oh yeah you know to the to the the wall you know to the law enforcement memorial wall and the museum and and yeah so yeah you're right it does it does basically head right under the national law enforcement officers uh memorial wall so that that's perfect and that's within walking distance of the capitol i actually walked from point A to point B last year, because it was kind of a nice day and we wanted to walk. Right, uh, <laughs> right, right, right. I did it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I was out there and it, right. it's a great walk. And um, so that's, that I think is one of the easiest ways because you're not adding to traffic on the road that may delay survivors with buses. You're not dealing with maybe a shutting down the roads for survivors in buses. The Metro is always kind of busy, but it does run generally pretty reliably. Um, now if they shut a section down for construction, that's, um, it's a little bit harder for me to help you there. Right, right, uh, (laughs) right, right. Understood. But those are, those are generally, uh, in, in my recommendation, that's one of the better ways to do it is to use the, the public transport in the area. So if you're a survivor family who's never been out there, or if you're from an agency who has a fallen officer and they want to come out and honor that fallen when you say the blocks of, of, of rooms and, and uh, reservations that, so are, is that for, do you do that for your, who are you doing that for? You do the, the survivor families or I'm trying to figure out how that works. Yeah. So, um, and we're changing, it may change again next year, but this year, um, we actually changed the way we do that okay. in years past. We've, we've just basically reserved all of the rooms and then you register through us. Tell us if you want a hotel we book it for you this year because that that became kind of a logistical nightmare for some folks because sometimes they wouldn't get confirmation numbers or they wouldn't have this or that. And it became easier just to do a special booking link that we have on our website, you know, kind of hidden. And once you register for police week, we have a, a backend link that will take you to those registration spots for those hotels. And you can pick one of the main cops hotels and get in our room block as long as there's space. And then we try to get more space. If we can't get folks in those, um, I think we actually had to bring in another hotel or two this year um, just because we ran out of rooms. Because how many rooms are you accommodating? I mean, how many, how many rooms are you blocking off for these families? Just a, just a ballpark, just so people have an idea of what you're doing. So I actually do not have that number. I'm, I'm not sure, but what I can tell you is I think it's something like six hotels is effectively what we have. Now, we don't have every room in the hotels, but we have a lot of rooms in each hotel. But I can see logistically how that could be incredibly challenging to make sure yes. you're, because you want to take care of everybody and you don't want, you don't want frustration. You want, you want people to come and relax and, and, you know, it's stressful enough the way it is, um, honoring their fallen and coming and remembering and, and, uh, you know, getting with peers, but travel in DC or just getting around in DC can be challenging at best, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, that's a big undertaking for, for you guys. 
Yeah. And we also, um, we have a, a national police week app that, um, cops works on NLEMF works on and FOP, uh, and the FOP auxiliary. We work on those all together. Um, and that'll provide stuff like it'll link you to DC's Metro rail website. If you need to get places, it'll show you, you know, maps to each of the events. It'll, it'll talk, break down each day, um, with each event hour by hour and give you a description of what, what's all going on, where there are shuttle buses to, you know, that sort of a thing. So that we try to give you all of the information in your hand as early as possible. So that there's as few unknowns as possible when you're getting to the week. Okay. Yeah. So how early should people contact you if they think I want to, I want to come out for police week, for example, me, I have not been out yet. Um, and that's, uh, you know, it's kind of a bucket list for me. I want to get out there. We've got, we have four fallen, uh, from our County. We have one from our agency and, um, I want to get out there. So how soon do I have to get registered? How soon do I have to look at that? So the registration deadline is usually around March 26th. Um, it might shift just a couple of days either way. Normally we will have police week registration open as early as, um, usually January, I think one year we had it open as early as like October. <laughs> um, we were really on our game that year. Uh, <laughs> but January is, is when it definitively will be open by. And, um, usually it's open a little bit before that, but, uh, you know, if you want to be absolutely sure January is a good time. So that's that's generally a good time to get your name in that. Um, and that's usually before a lot of the rooms start selling out um, and things like that. Okay, that's awesome. So so if people want to support cops, how, how what, what's the best way they can support you guys? Is it monetarily? Is it, I mean, how do people find out about you, find out more about supporting the organization? Yeah, so one of the, the best ways to support cops is to talk about us and you can learn a lot and you can also find links to donate and all of the digital materials we've talked about and all the different events at concerns of police survivors.org. Um, that's our website and donations are, are extremely helpful, but we understand not everybody can give donations, but every little bit helps, right? It's something like 50 bucks for meals at or a hundred bucks for meals at police week will help, you know, uh, a surviving or a survivor basically get meals during the week, those sorts of things. But beyond that, we find that a lot of agencies, right? You didn't know about all the things that we did before we started talking today. That's our biggest thing is a lot of folks. We can't help because they don't, they don't know, know about us. And I'm, I, I'm pretty involved. You know, between the Officer Don Memorial podcast, between the Minnesota Law Enforcement Memorial Association, and and uh, some of the legislative stuff I've been involved in, but I, I just didn't know. I mean, I I've never, unfortunately, I've never been on the side of, to where I, I I needed necessarily that support. I, I had no idea. Yeah. So uh, huh. a huge way of supporting is by by letting folks know about us, and by letting especially agencies know that these resources are are here for them. Um, and sometimes they need a little convincing that they actually need to go and actually fill out those financial them. diaries and right. do the SOPs and because no one, there is sometimes a, a stigma about 
we don't talk about line of duty death because then it might happen. Right. Right. Well, if you don't talk about it, when it happens, it's going to be bad. Right. Right. It's going to be. Yeah, exactly. So you talked about some partners who, who are your main partners? Um, if they're uh, partners you want to mention, uh, for police week, it's just such a huge event. So, um, part of our sort of boots on the ground team is, um, the fraternal order of police and auxiliary. Okay. Um, and the national law enforcement officers memorial fund. Um, they work with us. We work hand in hand all year round, um, every year to make the logistics work, to get everybody coordinated, to make sure that, that we get as many surviving families represented accurately, um, and get as many officers honored the way they deserve to be right. each That's year. Awesome. Yep. And it's, it's a ton of work. Um, and our, our friends work tirelessly to make it happen. Also in that I would be foolish not to mention the concerns of police survivors. We have 55 local chapters. So in each state, the first interaction some folks will have with concerns of police survivors is when a local chapter member shows up to say, Hey, I've been there. Let me, let me grab your hand and I'll help you. Right. Right. And those folks are volunteers who do hundreds and hundreds of hours of work because they know what it's like. And they deserve as much recognition as anybody else. Um, And during police week, they're, they're helping us. They're, they're with the families at police week, making sure they make it to events, making sure they're not, you know, overwhelmed by too many things, making sure they can help in any way possible. And then of course, you know, we have some, some really big financial partners that, that make it all possible on our concerns of police survivors side. So we've got our stream lights, our, our Glock. Verizon helps us out as a peacekeeper sponsor. Off-Road United, we've got Justice Federal Credit Union, uh, Relentless Defender. Those are, are just a, a sampling of some of the folks that help us put this week together and make sure that we as an organization can exist to help survivors. Okay, so what haven't we covered? The one big thing that COPS does that we didn't talk about today is our National Conference on Law Enforcement, Wellness, and Trauma. Yeah. Um, which I don't know how much you know about that one. No, I don't. So we hold a law enforcement wellness conference each year. Um, this year it's in Orlando. So, um, in November, so it's a great time for, uh, you know, a weekend away. Right. Right. Um, right. And a great place <laughs> to go. You, That's awesome. Right. As long as you attend the conference, uh, you know, have fun. Absolutely. Right? And the goal of it is as you take on challenges in your law enforcement career, there is any number of issues, Right. A lot of folks will have issues from fitness and, you know, those late night, you've been on, on call for so many hours, you can't quite see straight and you're eating, you know, your 17th gas station taquito of the day, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> how do you get from, you know, gaining a belly? Um, how do you sustainably keep yourself healthy? Right. right? How, how do you maybe, um, right? We had a class last year over the SOSA law. So administratively or, or even um, just as part of a department, what's going on legislatively with suicide survivors being added to line of duty death? What's that breakdown? Okay. We, we break that down for you. Um, we had a class last year and we're actually doing a webinar on it um, here pretty soon. That is law enforcement skills that can kill your relationships because sometimes officers are skeptical and aware 
and suspicious and it keeps them alive on the streets. Right. But with your loved one, that's not great. Yeah. Yeah. And it can eat away at your relationships. Right. Right. Um, All of these types of things we, we cover. I think last year we had something like 35 different topic categories and we had a bunch of different classes throughout the weekend. Um, usually we try to get it some sort of certified so that folks in the area can get educational credits for it or, or credits for training. Sometimes it's up to your department, whether they honor that, but, um, but we do make an effort to make sure that that's something that, that you can take back home. Um, you'll have at least a certificate or something that says, Hey, I attended this and, and, you know, took these classes. And then it's also networking as well. So, and it is for everybody in law enforcement. There's stuff for dispatch. There's stuff for administration. There's stuff for folks doing patrol and, and beat. There's a, a little bit of everybody, you know, peer support, chaplains, all have stuff um, there for them. So it really is about lengthening and strengthening the career of officers in the now. So what's, what are the dates this year for that? So it's normally over a weekend. So the dates this year are check-in is November 9th. And the conference ends November twelfth. I did. I uh, again. I didn't know you did that either. Right through the twelfth. Yeah, November. we've got um, sort of. Uh, <laughs> I, I it's it's goofy, but I like to think of us as a sort of a many armed octopus. Right. You keep going. There's another arm. What? Where did this come from? Right. Right. Um, but officer wellness be, is such a huge thing right now. I mean, yes. I mean, I, you've got to have seen that that's got to have really changed, you know, even for the work that you guys do over the last several years, I'm assuming. Yeah. This, this last year in, we were in the Dallas area and we had something like, I want to say it was 850 plus officers for the conference. Um, wow. Just for, for a couple of days. And um, it was life-changing. Wow. That's awesome. So, um, where can people find out more about you or how can they follow you? What, 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 what social media are you on? So we're on, um, just as many social medias as, as we can think of. Um, the main ones, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, we've got a YouTube. Yeah. Those are the, those are the big ones. So and we'll most have- of those places, um, we are at national cops. Uh, the only one that you'll find us kind of different. YouTube's a little bit squirrely on usernames. And uh, Instagram is concerns underscore of underscore police underscore survivors. Gotcha. Which is a mouthful and a half. <laughs> but there's so they can follow you on uh, mm-hmm. on any of those. So then and then the website is concerns of police survivors dot org dot org. OK. As important as police week is one of the other things um, that is important are, as you kind of mentioned, those those local memorials as well. So I would encourage folks, especially officers, um, but anybody who can't make it to maybe National Police Week to maybe they can make it to their state memorial or even if they can't do that, to do something in honor of Police Week. Some way 
just across this nation to let survivors know we're there for them. There you go, everyone. Tony Williams from COPS. Thanks, Tony, for sharing your mission with us. If you'd like to learn more about COPS, maybe you're interested in supporting COPS, or maybe you're interested in taking advantage of some of their great programs for agencies or for families. We've put the website link in the story notes, so check it out. Also, we've shared some amazing photos from past police weeks in Washington, D.C. to give you a better idea of what Tony and I were talking about, about police week, about this incredibly humbling and powerful program that they organize each year in D.C. for fallen officer families. Also, as Tony said, please take the time to check out your state and local law enforcement memorial programs this month. And make sure you take the time to thank your local law enforcement for their service, for their sacrifice in your communities. These men and women need to hear our support now more than ever. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back soon. Thank you for listening to this special edition of the Officer Down Memorial Podcast. 